Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Redlands campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Chance to be a bit introspective, to think about yourself for a minute, just for a minute and uh, have a look at the words on the screen and have a think about which two words describe you best. Okay, I'll give you, give you a few seconds to look at that list and think from that list, and it's, it's not exhaustive by any stretch. Thanks, chat GPT. I asked for 20 words and that's the word, words it gave me. First time I've used chat GPT for a sermon and the last time as well, I promise you. Maybe not the last time, but I, anyway, have a look. I'm just babbling on while you're choosing your words. Okay, you got your two words. Turn to the person next to you and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that they're probably a family member or something and tell them the two words that you chose. And then think about their reaction for a minute. How did they react? Okay, now I want you to, now I want you to think about uh, if you're the person who heard what you, know, what you heard, your friend, family member, whatever say, what two words would you use to describe them? And I'll just give you a heads up, the words might not be on this list, okay? But two words to describe them. No, don't do that. We want to be kind. I was tempted to put up a list of 20 negative words, but we want to be positive. We want to stay uh, encouraging and, you know, being kind to one another. There's a word uh, that I think about quite a bit, and I would love this word to describe me more and more in 2024. I wanna become far more self-aware. I wanna become more self-aware. How self-aware are you? And I don't just mean in some you know, kind of mystical way. Yeah, I'm aware that I'm sitting in this chair today. I'm aware that I'm here at Gateway Redlands. I mean something probably a little bit more deep, deeper and, and profound than that. And if you, if, you wanna, if you want a good example of what self-aware means, let me give you a really negative, negative example of what it means to be unself-aware. You know, Australian Idol is back. And some of the most unself-aware people in Australia find themselves on the stage. Well, not, they don't make it to the stage, actually, of Australian Idol. You see all the bloopers. Like they, they, they show as many really good, talented people on the Australian Idol auditions as they do people who are very, very unself-aware. And if you want an example of people who are really unself-aware, get on YouTube and have a look at bad auditions for Australian Idol and you'll see some of the most unself-aware people in our country. These people have no idea how bad they sound. But as we think about self-awareness, let me help you to develop this a bit in your own mind as you think about your own level of self-awareness. There's two types of self-awareness, so they tell me. The first type of self-awareness is an internal self-awareness. It's sort of how I see myself, how I sort of uh, process my emotions, what my values are, how aware of my values that I am, my beliefs, and all of this is discovered through introspection, like meditation, quiet time, going away, being on your own and thinking, and if you're a follower of Jesus, you're often doing this with His help. You're thinking, okay, you're reflecting back over your life so far. You're thinking about what got me to where I am, my relationships, all that sort of stuff. And you're thinking about what is going on internally. You're becoming self-aware of things that are going on inside of you. But there's another type of self-awareness and it's this external self-awareness, external. And this, this is where it gets a bit tricky. 
Because this, this is where I would like to grow. It's, a, it's being aware of how others perceive you. And if you think about this, this can get really tricky because you can have a conversation with someone and think that someone has perceived you a certain way or you can approach someone and they turn around on you and they don't, that you perceive that they don't wanna to talk to you and suddenly you, you, your internal stuff just starts going off because your, externally, your external self-awareness is being questioned. External self-awareness. Aware of how others perceive you, aware of how you come across to other people. And the way that we discover this is through things like being really vulnerable and asking those around us questions about how they perceive us. And I don't know about you, they're really tough questions to ask. Like I think, oh yeah, with Jess and Ben, as we come to review each year, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to ask the question, oh, how, how do you rate me as a boss? But when I'm sitting there and going through the list of things that they need to work on, it's a big list. No, it's not, it's a very short list. I never get to that question because in the moment I'm like, I don't really think I want to know that. I don't want to know how you perceive me. So these are the two types of self-awareness. Here's the thing though. Here's the thing about self-awareness. It's really important for you and I to become more and more self-aware. Have a look at this quote from the Harvard Business Review. As soon as you say Harvard, you know it's good value. Research suggests that when we see ourselves clearly, we are more confident and more creative. We make sounder decisions, build stronger relationships and communicate more effectively. We're less likely to lie, cheat and steal. We are better workers who get more promotions and we're more effective leaders with more satisfied employees and more profitable companies. Of course, that is a worldly perspective on the benefits of self-awareness. But you can see there is immense value in becoming increasingly self-aware. Here's the bad news. Here's the bad news for 85 to 90% of people who can hear my voice right now. The research that the Harvest Business School undertook, which was really significant research, they found that only 10 to 15% of people fit the criteria for being called self-aware. The bad news is 85 to 90% of us are not self-aware. Oh dear. The good news is we can improve our self-awareness. We can get better. We can get better at it. So all of that being true, how self-aware are you? This is a really redundant question if you think about it because 85 to 90% of you are going, yeah, I'm pretty self-aware and you'd be wrong. <laughs> you won't meet a more self-aware person than Jesus. You won't know a more self-aware person than Jesus. He was perfectly in tune with his inner self. He knew everything that was going on inside of himself. He was perfectly in tune with his emotions. He was perfectly in alignment with his values and beliefs. And he had an accurate understanding of how he was perceived by others, be that negative or positive. Most importantly, his self-awareness wasn't driven by some craving for inner peace or some state of zen, some sort of comfort with his place in the world and his need to be affirmed by others. His self-awareness was driven by this desire to be at his best for other people. His self-awareness was all about serving others. And there's a statement that he made 
that captures his external self-awareness so beautifully. It captures, in a, it captures it in a way that he is so keen for you to know and for you to understand and for you to perceive him in. It's the way he is and it's the way, therefore, that he wants to be perceived. Jesus says to you today, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I wanna look at the heart of this passage because this is the only place in the four gospels where Jesus describes his heart. When I read that, I went, surely not. And then I was like, ah, yes, it's true. This is the only place in all four gospel where Jesus describes his heart. And what two words does he use to describe his heart? Gentle and humble. He says, for I am gentle and humble in heart. There's three words in this sentence, this description of Jesus that is important for us to understand so that we can perceive him and receive him in the way that he wants to be perceived and received. The three words are, Heart, gentle, and humble. Let's start with heart. The Greek word is cardia. I, I tried to get the, the Greek letters up there. I, I wasn't successful because as soon as you put Greek letters on a screen, everyone goes, man, this preacher must be really intelligent. I wasn't intelligent enough to work out how to put the Greek up there. But anyway, I got the, I got the phonetics up there. Cardia, say it with me. Cardia. Thank you. This is the Greek word for heart. And it doesn't mean heart like we use the word in English, Really? There isn't really an English word we have that conveys the, the meaning of this Greek word heart as they meant it, as Jesus meant it when he said it and as people understood it when they heard him say it. The heart in Greek is like the seat of the inner self. The seat of the inner self. This is where your life, your soul, your mind, your spirit, all of that, all of that sits in your heart. It's like a similar word to what we would say as soul, but even that's not really accurate. Heart is like the corest of the core. What I am right at the heart of myself, that's what heart is. The very centre, like the control centre that makes everything else happen. This is what we mean by heart. This is, this is what Jesus is saying here is, this is what drives me. This is, this is what, if, if you get to the core of me, this is what I am. And what does he say? Right at the core of me, right in the middle of who I am, the driving center, gentle and humble. Just pause for a minute because I don't reckon we grasp how significant this is. And here's what I want you to do. Is I want you to think about the songs we've sung this morning. And then I want you to think more broadly about the songs that you've been singing all your life as a follower of Jesus. And think of the words in those songs that are used as describing words of Jesus. Okay, you've got to, you're starting to build a list. Like your name is, uh, you know, what I wrote in my notes was a song we ended up cutting from the service. So that has not uh, helped me very well. But there's a song that we sing that says, your name is the greatest. Your name is the highest. Your name stands above them all. 
like majesty and honour and glory and power, faithful, holy, 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 magnificent, all of these words that are in our lyrics. Rock of ages, faithful, we sung this morning. Think of other famous choruses that have been written over the last 2,000 years and try and remember one that goes, gentle and humble are you, Lord. How good was that? Look at that, Maddie. you should do something with that. You can have that melody for free. We don't sing these words when we're describing Jesus. Gentle and humble. Maybe you can think of a couple of songs. But it's certainly not the predominant theme of our worship songs that we sing about Jesus. Maybe, maybe if you haven't been a follower of Jesus for very long, this is all new to you, or you're not a follower of Jesus. You're very welcome here if you're not. But if you're not, there's, there's actually some other words that you use to describe Jesus that probably wouldn't fit in a worship song. As you think about God, we believe that Jesus is God in the flesh. As you think about some words that might come to mind would be words like distant, cold, disinterested, powerless, uncaring, inattentive, busy. These are some words we use to describe Jesus. Whatever side of the fence you fall on, Jesus in his perfect self-awareness, wants you to know that at his heart, the way that he describes himself in as few words as possible, these are the two words he chooses, gentle and humble. It's remarkable. Let's dig deeper on these words. Gentle, it's a Greek word, praus. I'm sure I'm not getting that right, praus. Praus. Any Greek scholars in the room know how to pronounce this? Good. Believe me, that's praus. <laughs> this word uh, means like meek, gentle. It's, 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 it, the, the dictionary described, Bible dictionary describes it as the positive moral quality of dealing with people in a kind manner, kindness. You know, when Jesus says, blessed are the meek, we know it's not the weak, it's not the tender and the, you know, it's all soft and mushy. No, meekness, it's a, it's a way of dealing with people because remember Jesus' self-awareness was about others, a way of dealing with people kindly. Jesus is not arrogant or aloof. Jesus is not impatient with you. Jesus is not rushing to get done with you so that he can move on to someone more interesting. He is kind. He's attentive, he's warm, while still being the most powerful and majestic king over everything that is. Think about that. Jesus who has always existed. Before anything was, he was. The one through whom, for whom, by whom, all things were created. The one who all authority in heaven and earth has been given to. He's gentle. And he's attentive to you. He has all the time in the world for you. In fact, he has all the time in eternity for you. He's warm, he's kind, he's gentle, and he's humble. He's humble. Tapanos. Tapanos. Sounds like something good to eat. Tapanos. Humble. Other translations translate this word lowly. Lowly. Downcast. In fact, there's usually this word that 
it's, it's timid. The, the, the definition that I was drawn to the most though in when Jesus described himself as humble is a, is a common use of this word in Greek, of low position. Of low position. What are you talking about, Jesus? You're exalted to the right hand of the Father. No, I'm humble. I'm of low position. Paul writes a poem about Jesus. It's probably a poem they reckon that people knew. So he's writing, he's including a poem in his letter to the Philippians. And he's speaking about the humility of Jesus. These will be familiar words to many of you. Jesus being in very nature God. Being in very nature God. Did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Arguably, I reckon one of the most significant moments in Jesus' life, the Scriptures tell us this was a moment when he realised, and we're not going to go into the discussion right now about what he knew and what he didn't know when he was born into, in, as a human. That's a sermon for another day. But the Scriptures tell us at this point, this is when he knew that the Father had given him all authority. God who breathed the universe into existence, like just by speaking. He made, made the whole universe just by speaking. What kind of authority is that? Jesus, the human, confined to a human body, knew in this moment that all authority had been given to him by God, his Father. His next move, what would you do? What would you do if you knew that? What Jesus does next is he picks up a towel, he ties it around his waist and he washes his friend's feet. Jesus wants you to know that he is humble in heart. He is of low position. God in the flesh is of low position. I love this quote by Dane Ortland, who wrote a book called Gentle and Lowly, a whole book written unpacking these two words. And he says this, gentle and lowly. This, according to his own testimony, is Christ's very heart. This is who he is, tender, open, welcoming, accommodating, understanding, willing, if we are asked to say only one thing about who Jesus is, we would be honouring Jesus' own teaching if our answer is gentle and lowly. Jesus has time for you. He's not rushing off. He's not going anywhere. Jesus is, there's a word that Dane uses as well to describe both of these words put together. Jesus is approachable. Jesus is approachable and he's warm to everyone regardless of their status or lack thereof. As, uh, as so many of you know who have been coming here for a while, one of my heroes is Tim Keller. I was waiting for her. Maybe you don't know that so well, but Tim Keller is one of my heroes uh, and he is now with Jesus. So uh, dreams of meeting him and shaking his hand until I see him in heaven are gone. Uh, Jesus might have to wait I want to go say good day to Tim first. Oh, that's scrub that from the record. That didn't. I didn't say that. 
Tim Keller is a hero, like a mentor of mine from afar. And I've only, I only saw him one time in the flesh uh, when I was at a conference with, with Brooke, my wife, in, in New York. And um, I'm, I'm usually too proud to start fanboying. Like there's no one else who I would start fanboying for apart from Tim Keller. And I was sitting probably where Kathy Crute's sitting up the back there. It was a massive big order, 2,000 people. So, you know, do the percentages, sort of third from the back. Sort of, and he's up on the stage. And I saw when he finished his message, he gave a great talk on Esther. He walks off the stage over here. So I'm going, okay, that's where the green room must be. I said to my group, oh, I need to go to the toilet. There was a toilet right there. I went to that toilet over there. And I was hoping, I don't know what I was hoping for actually, maybe walking in there and seeing Tim had to, um, you know, have a leak after a long talk. I don't know, but... Um, can you imagine that up in the, in the urinal? Oh, g'day, Tim, how you going? Your ministry changed my life. He's very tall, it'd be quite awkward. Anyway, I didn't see him. I didn't see him. I didn't get a chance to shake his hand. I'm sure, I'm sure he's a humble guy. I'm sure he's a gentle guy. But for me and for many others in the room, he's too intimidating to be approachable. He's Tim Keller. You know, I've got to be honest and say that I, I often get a little bit upset, not, not, and I'm not blaming anyone here at all. This is not what I'm doing right now. I'm not blaming anyone, but I get a little bit internally upset and, and to be honest, a little bit guilty when some of you say things to me like, I know you're busy, but could I just grab you for a minute? Or, or even worse is when people let me know, I wanted to come and say hello, but you were super busy. Or I know how precious your time is. I don't want to bother you, but... Do you reckon you could? Honestly, something inside of me, like there, there, is, there is grief in that. And there's guilt because it's just not true. I'm not as important as you think I am. I'm not that busy. It upsets me because I don't wanna be perceived that way. There is an ego inside of me that loves everyone to think that I'm really important, that I'm really busy and, and the busyness means that I'm so important. It, it's not true, but there is that ego going on inside of me. But in my heart, I don't want to be perceived as a busy guy that doesn't have time for anyone. You know, Jesus is not like Tim Keller and he's not like me. Jesus is not like that. If Jesus were here today, he wouldn't be on the stage. He'd probably be sitting up in the back row and, he, and he'd have time and he'd be approachable and you could walk up to him and have a conversation with him like he was a friend. He doesn't want you to perceive him to be intimidating and unapproachable like he's too busy for you. He's gentle and lowly. He's approachable. His heart is to draw you close. His heart is to draw you close. Jesus wants to carry your burdens. Jesus wants to relieve you of your weariness. Jesus wants you to relax into Him. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The bad news about self-awareness 
is that most of us aren't. 85 to 90% of us. The good news is we can improve our self-awareness. And I don't think you'll be reading in any Harvest Business Review what I'm about to say. In fact, if you did a Google on how do I become more self-aware, you probably won't pull up any articles that tell you what I'm about to tell you. There won't be many journals, there won't be many books, there won't be any podcasts that you listen to. They'll, they'll, They'll be helpful. I hope they'll be helpful, generally speaking. But unless it starts and finishes and is a daily thing, of what I'm about to tell you, I just don't think your self-awareness is gonna get you anywhere significant. The best place to start in growing your self-awareness is to be aware of yourself before Jesus. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, You know, the burden that we carry is sin. And sin is simply this, everything that separates us from God. Every single one of us has said, I will do things my way. That's the most simple way we can talk about sin. God breathed life into us. God created us. God put us on this earth. And in our sinfulness, we say, I wanna live this life that you've given me my way. That takes us away from God and what that gives us is a burden of separation from God, the burden of sin. Jesus wants to take that from you. This is is the most remarkable thing about the God that we worship. Sin should be something that He looks at and is disgusted by, that He would not want to approach you because of your sin, because of your rebellion, because of you saying, I don't want anything to do with you. But Jesus not only welcomes us as sinners, He goes after us as sinners. And He says, give me that burden that you're carrying because He knows that sin is only destructive and any any step we take away from God is a step towards death, a step towards maybe some temporary enjoyment of life, but ultimately sadness and loss and destruction. Jesus says, I want to take away the burden of your sin. The other thing He says is, come to me all who are weary. And here's what I reckon weariness is. The weariness that all of us carry is a weariness of striving. I think if we're really honest with ourselves, no matter where you sit in relationship to God right now, wherever you sit, you know something is not right. You know something inside of you is broken. You know your imperfections. You know the things that are inside of you that cause pain for yourself and cause pain for others. And striving is trying to deal with that yourself. Striving is saying, I've got to get better. I've got to do this better. I've got to be better. I've got to grow. I've got to develop myself. What course can I enrol in? What thing can I do to help me get better and better and better and better? That's striving. And striving is trying to cover up ultimately the sin that each of us carry. We know we've got a burden on our back. Striving is trying to deal with it ourselves and that creates weariness. Jesus says, come to me all who are weary. I know the weariness you feel under the burden of sin and I'm gentle and humble and I want to welcome you into relationship with me. Let me take that burden from you. Let me carry it 
with you. Let's live this life together, walk hand in hand. I know how life is meant to be lived. Let me show you. The message translation of this verse says, walk with me and work with me and I will show you the unforced rhythms of grace. This is the invitation of Jesus. Take away that which separates us from God and to put an end to our striving that tries to make up the difference. And I reckon, I reckon there are some here this morning who are striving, whether you're aware that it's a religious striving or there are some here who you're striving, you, you might not have any interest in God at all. There might not be anything that in your mind that makes you think about God, but you are very aware of the brokenness inside of you and you're striving to cover up that brokenness. There are others of us who can kind of default into religious striving. Let me do the things that I know God's gonna be happy with. Let me strive to do those things so that God will give me a tick of approval. Jesus says, it'll just make you weary. Come to me. And this is where I love how one scholar, I can't remember his name. I should have written it down. He says a really good way to translate what Jesus is saying here is relax, relax into me. Let go of the burden. I mean, end your weary striving. Relax, relax into me. I reckon in 2024, this is a word for us as a campus. The year of relaxation. There, there is a time for working hard. There is a time for doing good things. There is a time to do stuff together. And we do that with Jesus. But when it comes to sin and striving, just relax into Jesus. He is gentle. And he is humble. So I reckon this leaves you in one of two positions this morning. The first one is for those who maybe don't even know Jesus. You're aware this morning that you've heard of him, but you've never accepted his invitation to come to him. You've never accepted this invitation that he's saying to you today, come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I am gentle and humble in heart. Come to me. These words that he says that I've put up on the screen a couple of times are an invitation to you personally today to say okay to Jesus. Here I am, my brokenness. Yep, I'll call it my sin. My striving to try and cover up. I'm done with that, Jesus. If you can take me out of this, I accept your invitation. Would you accept that invitation today? I wanna pray for you in a minute. But then there are others of us and I reckon there's more of us that fit in this category. We know Jesus, we know grace, we know His goodness, we lift our hands in worship, we serve in the church, we pray grace over every meal, we do our best to read our Bible, we do our best to do all the things that, you know, we know we should be doing and that's exactly the problem. 
is striving. It's striving. It's trying to do the stuff that we know we should be doing in order for God to be happy with us. And it's making us weary. There's a weariness. It's keeping up appearances. It might not be in front of God, it might be in front of the church. It might be in front of me so that I'll say, well done as the pastor. Jesus wants to end your striving today. Jesus wants to say, walk with me and work with me. Don't work for me. Don't walk in a way that says, are you impressed with me yet? Work with me and walk with me for my burden is light. Jesus says to many of us today, relax, relax. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.